Hello and welcome to the Hope Story Circle from the Peace Alliance. It's so nice to see all of you here today. Um, and welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance, and I'm joined to facilitate today by Liz Gannon Graydon, who is also on our board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our teaching peace and schools lead and mindfulness expert. And our special guest today is Anne Marie Schull. And I'm going to ask her to unmute herself to say hello. Can you unmute yourself? Hello. Happy Saturday. There you are. So good to see you. Anne-Marie, you need to know, Anne-Marie and I have been friends for decades. We've, we've performed together many, many, many years ago in former lives for both of us. But I'm just delighted to have her here. She's a wonderful, delightful, and very accomplished person. And I'm just so glad that she's here to share her story. But first, I'm going to have Yelena lead us in a meditation. Yelena? Welcome, everyone. Yeah, welcome to this moment, to all of you that are here present with us, and to all of you that are listening to this podcast. I just want to invite you into a moment of breathing in and breathing out, and to honor recent passing of Thich Nahan, one of the greatest teachers of mindfulness. It just starts with that simple yet such a profound practice of breathing in and knowing, being aware you're breathing in and breathing out, knowing that you're breathing out. Coming together in this present moment, breathing in, breathing out, connecting to the earth, again, and you're breathing in. Breathing out. You're breathing out. Knowing that the present moment is the only moment. coming back to the breath. The contact your body is making 
the earth. To this day, to this moment. Knowing you are alive. This moment conditions your next moment. Everything is interbeing. Breathing in, knowing that you are breathing in. and inviting a smile. And I will just finish our practice by reading something Dignahan his book, Peace is Every Step. Reading in and smiling together, that is peace education. If we know how to appreciate these beautiful things, we will not have to search for anything else. Peace is available in every moment, in every breath, in every step. Cue off here, this moment. Welcome, Anne-Marie. Thank you, Yelena. That was beautiful. I feel great because <laughs> after that few moments of peace. Um, I wanna say hello to everyone. Thank you for having me here today, Terry. And um, my story is, is actually fairly simple. I, my name is Anne-Marie Schull. I'm a Southern California native with a fairly ordinary uh, start to life, an ordinary upbringing, fourth of five children, public schools, nothing too exciting. Um, really, really kind of um, average, ordinary upbringing. And um, as Terry, uh, mentioned earlier, I had the the great pleasure of working with her um, in my early 20s in the Los Angeles company of 42nd Street. When I finally found my niche of what I loved to do and what I was, what I had some ability for, it was dancing and singing. And I was really fortunate to be cast in the LA company 
and then to continue with that career in um, national and international tours of that show and of, of a couple of other um, large Broadway touring productions, uh, The Unsinkable Molly Brown with Debbie Reynolds and Meet Me in St. Louis with Debbie Boone. And I loved that career. I loved that career. We worked really hard. Terry will attest to that. We traveled hard. And, um, it, you know, it's, it's very all encompassing. It really does take over your life. It is a lifestyle when, when you are in that career. Um, but I learned a lot in that career that I didn't realize was preparing me for things to come in my future. And that's kind of the, the crux of my story today is that we don't know when we're in it, we don't know all the things we are learning that are going to prepare us for something that is to come. And hopefully, you know, all these years later, we can look back and, and recognize those, those things. Wow. I, I'm really happy with how I dealt with B because of A so many years ago, something I learned so many years ago. So while I was on the road with, uh, with these shows, with these national tours, I became very, very interested in what it took to put all of that together. How, how does the show move from city to city? Um, how is it that we, when we leave a, a theater on a Sunday night and we travel all day on Monday and we show up in a new city on Tuesday at the theater, the show has been taken down, moved, and reset in the new theater. And, you know, how, how did all of that really happen? And, and then, you know, my other curiosity was, I know how much money I'm making every week. How much does the, the um, author, the lyricist, the composer get paid every week? How much does a costume designer get paid every week? And uh, I had the opportunity a few years later to apprentice with a, a great troubleshooting uh, company manager. I kind of put it out there. If you ever have the, the need for, for an assistant, I would love to learn how all of this happens. And within, within a couple of years, he called me. And I had this terrific opportunity to work in the production office, actually writing those royalty checks, seeing how all of that happened, all of that comes together, how much people make or don't make, um, how to deal with difficult people, <laughs> um, how, uh, how to dress professionally, because of course, when you're on stage, you're in a costume, when you're traveling, you're dressed for comfort, you know, and, and purpose, but not necessarily um, in professional attire, um, how to present oneself in a, in more of a business world. And, um, after, after several years of that, I really thought I was on my way to becoming a company manager for these large um, touring musicals. But I went to work for the music composer, Burt Bacharach, on a referral. I was just going to cover a couple of his uh, concert dates that his regular tour manager uh, couldn't, be, couldn't be there for. And I didn't know how much how much that had in common with my, with my theatrical background, but um, his tour manager said, Oh no, you'll be fine. You know, I'll give you kind of some, 
some guidelines and he just needs a person to be there. And um, it really was kind of like basic company manager work and uh, some, some sort of general personal assistant type work, you know, make sure the car picks him up at the airport, takes him to the hotel, make sure his tuxedo is, is pressed and in his dressing room for him, make sure he has a bottle of water on stage, just basic PA kind of things. And that career uh, turned from covering, substituting for a couple of concert dates into a 27 year long career in working for Bert, where I started with just these very minimal responsibilities, but it evolved into becoming the, the company manager slash tour manager, stage manager, lighting designer, light board operator. I was, I was in charge of payroll, uh, oversaw any kind of behind the scenes, you know, wardrobe or um, hospitality for the for the Bert and the band, and that was really, really a fun and wonderful career for me. And that theater career, like I said, I wasn't really sure how much that had in common with what I was going to work to do for Bert, but it had prepared me for being able to walk into a backstage area, being able to identify who's who, what they do, who to contact for what, et cetera. And, and um, it, it gave me a very different perspective because I was now the support staff. I was not the artist on, on the stage or one of the many artists on the stage. The other thing about working for an artist like Burt Bacharach, who is, you know, he's won, I forget how many Grammys and three Academy Awards and is, is world renowned. Any artist of that caliber is going to be very particular, very exacting. And that might be from anything from how his music is performed to what the temperature in the room is, to uh, how al dente his broccoli is, to what shade of black his socks are. And, and for most of us, we can, um, we're okay with a, with a range of how cooked our vegetables might be, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes mine come out a little more done than I really hoped they would. But for Bert, um, he, it was quite exacting. He wanted things very specific way. And um, it was, it was kind of brought to my attention that yes, my part of my job was to just handle those things for him so that his mind could be freed up to do the amazing creative process he was put on this earth to do. And that's where some of the, some of the fabulous music comes from is because he did tend to surround himself with people who took care of things for him the way he liked them done. And I don't mean this in any kind of derogatory way at all. I think I've become um, far more aware and open-minded to the differences in people and accepting that that's just who he is and how his brain works and how he operates to be able to do what he needs to do. 
So during my time uh, working for Bert, I um, I got married to my lifelong love, John, and we had two kids. And uh, when my when our son was uh, five years old, he was diagnosed with Asperger syndrome. I don't know um, how familiar any of you may or may not be with that, but Asperger's is a neurodevelopmental disorder that is considered to be an autism spectrum disorder. And it impairs or affects the uh, social interaction, facial recognition, um, missed social cues. People with Asperger's um, tend to fixate on on um, certain areas of interest or certain activities. And this was a big learning curve for John and me. We did not have, um, we don't have any nieces or nephews. We, so we weren't around kids a lot at that point in our life. We didn't know what milestones he should or should not be hitting. Um, and it was just, it was just who our son was and is. And he was very particular. <laughs> yes. They, they tend to have a lot of sensory issues. They tend to, um, people with Asperger, well, let me speak specifically about our son, you know, loud noises, um, itchy tags and clothing. There are all kinds of things, certain tastes and textures of food. He just couldn't tolerate. And as difficult as parenting him has been, it's it's probably, it is the most difficult thing John or I have ever done in our lives. I felt somewhat prepared because I would think, oh my gosh, I understand this. He doesn't want a, a tag in his clothing. You know, that's, that's just like something Bert would do. Um, and, you know, not that that was one of his quirks, but it was just, um, it was, it was, interesting to me to notice that my professional development had actually led to my personal development and my ability to be a better parent to this special needs kid. And I just, you know, over and over in my life, I just keep thinking I had no idea when I was dancing that I would become a tour manager for a Grammy award-winning musical artist. When I was working for Bert, I knew that I would like to get married and have kids someday, but I had no idea I would be raising this really special kid whose brain works differently than mine and my husband and most of us neurotypical people who are out there. And so it, I'm kind of at this place in my life now where I'm thinking, Wow, my kids are 21 and 19. We have a daughter who is is neurotypical. In fact, I think she got all of his um, social and outgoing um, abilities. <laughs> they all got wrapped into her rather than it. They didn't get divided evenly. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I'm just kind of at a place now where I'm wondering what what has this part of my life? What is it preparing me for? Because I now have the perspective to look back and say, wow, A prepared me for B, B prepared me for C. What is C preparing me for? What is this chapter of my life preparing me for? And while Bert has, um, 
has uh, wound down on the touring. He's 93 years old now. He still writes. He still um, has a lyricist over to the house and works works on stuff. He's always writing. Um, I've been uh, working for another artist named Earl Clue, a jazz guitar player. Um, just working a couple of festivals a year for him where he has these uh, weekend of jazz festivals with seven or eight artists, usually at a lovely uh, resort location. And it's a, a three-day event. So that's been really fun and interesting to to meet and work with a bunch of different artists at one time instead of one artist over a very long period of time. Um, but as we as we get to the the inquiry today, I wanted to share a little anecdote about um, some people I met when I was working for Bert. I came to know this this uh, group of ladies who were very successful. They were young, they were successful, they were really intelligent and they were funny, which for me is like the best combination of, of things. Funny and smart. That's, you know, you could look like Godzilla and I would think you were super sexy. Right. So, <laughs> um, uh, so we, we, uh, had a great time together. One, one of these gals was a, was a doctor. One was a vice president at CBS sports. One worked for the NBA and then there was me. And um, it, you know, we had some great adventures. We traveled together. We had a good time, these, these gals. And, um, there, there was a, a recurring conversation that we would have that, uh, the gal who worked for CBS sports, um, brought up one night, she said, what would your bio, what would the title of your biography be? And I had to think about that. And she had come up, she'd come up with hers. Hers was called uh, Caution, Bathtub Fills in 60 Seconds, because she had, at, at this young stage of her life, where all of us were kind of pinching ourselves and thinking, I can't believe I'm having this amazing life. I'm having these amazing experiences. This is extraordinary. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known this was coming. She, she had the opportunity to stay in this hotel that was so luxurious that the bathtub filled in 60 seconds. And there was a warning note on the side of the tub because when you check into a hotel and you draw a bath, what do people do? They turn on the bathtub and they leave the room while they're waiting for it to fill. And that had caused some problems. So the hotel posted a notice. And of course, the, her title had a bunch of... Um, of uh, possibility of ramifications, uh, you know, uh, that were were assumed if you didn't if you didn't know what happens if a bathtub overflows. But um, I really had to think about what my title of my autobiography would be, and I finally came up with an ordinary girl and her extraordinary experiences or something, something like that, her extraordinary adventures, because I couldn't believe, like, how did this girl from suburban Southern California end up the company manager for this Grammy and Academy award-winning artist? It was pretty fun for me to acknowledge that because when I was in it, I was just working. I was just doing my job. And so, um, 
so that's kind of a, that was a, a fun and recurring conversation that these ladies had um, because it changed, you know, their lives were um, more varied than mine because they worked with different um, athletes, different celebrities, different people all the time. Whereas I was, I was kind of one artist and, and all over the United States and all over the world. But, um, but yes, what, so then what would the title of your biography be? And then what would it be like the title at my title at 25 would certainly be different than my title when I was 45 and my title at 65 might be something different yet again. So those are my thoughts. Like what, what would the title of your autobiography be? Thanks, Anne-Marie. <laughs> I love that. I love the bathtub fills in 60 seconds. Yes, caution. Hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. So thank you so much for telling your story. Yelena, Liz, would you like to tease out that inquiry a little more? Sure. Yelena, is it, you want me to take it? <laughs> Um, I am telling you, even hearing your story the second time, you know, we, we always meet Friday nights. It, it brought up such richness for me, Emery, I'm so thankful. And I was thinking of something. One of my favorite movies is um, Walk the Line, uh, you know, the Johnny Cash story. And there's a great scene on the tour bus when you were talking, it just struck me this morning, uh, where, um, you know, June Carter's trying to take care of all the details. And, and Johnny's just like, oh, it all works out. And she said, no, it doesn't. People make it work out. And you just, you know, and you just show up. And I was, and I was thinking about that beautiful infrastructure, right? And, and um, so many of us do deal with people who just think differently. And I think that thing that makes you your genius, right? Does make you different. And I love that you hold this space of making things work out, whether it was for Bert or for your child and how that, how that worked. That was so very touching to me. But as we move into the inquiry, we wanted to follow that thread that Amory just said about, um, you know, we have different chapters and we might in real time define ourselves by the chapter. Oh, I'm a dancer. This is my, I'm a dancer chapter. This is my, I'm a parent chapter. But whatever age you're at, if you, as we send you into the groups to start to think, if you were looking back just now and had to think about either what chapter you're in now, if that's what you wanna talk about, but if you could look back and weave all those chapters together into a story, what, what might your, what might your um, autobiography be called? And like I said, that image you said about a caution tub films in 60 seconds, I love that because it's so much about there are things you have to handle, there are things you can't put off, there are things you have. So, so that's what we're going to lead you into the inquiry with. If you could like talk about either what this chapter, how you name this chapter in your life, or how if you have time now to think about it, or you've ever thought about it, what would you call your autobiography? And, and you know, obviously use Amory's story as your touchstone but to move into your story and, and what you'd like to share with the small group about your story. Wonderful. So just a reminder about our agreements for those of you who may not have been in a Hope Story Circle before, we're gonna go into breakout rooms. I'm going to attempt to make it three in every room, but the agreements are to speak from your heart, to listen from your heart, to say just enough so there's room for others to share and to keep confidentiality. When we come back, we'll ask for people to share what they'd like to, but if there's anything deeply personal that was shared, then 
that can stay in the room with you. Um, you can share the theme of it, but maybe not the details. So I'm going to put the recording on hold and we'll come back after the breakout rooms. Welcome back, everyone. How nice to see you. What an interesting conversation we had. I'm curious about the conversations that all of you had in your rooms. Who'd like to share? Anyone? Okay, go ahead and unmute yourself, Christine. I'd like to share that one thing came out of the story that Anne-Marie told about Burt Bacharach and then her son is the reminder from Thich Nhat Hanh of the words interconnectedness and interbeing mm. and how we change through life. Mm. That's lovely. Yes, thank you. Who else would like to share? Tough. You have a beautiful smile on your face. <laughs> Would you like to share? Wow. Like just, uh, I never think about like uh, my story and about like uh, to have biography or like uh, in six, 60 seconds or something like that. And just I think about it and about my life, and it's come up to be like a flowing river. Mm. And and I never think about it. And just like uh, just it was a great opportunity to think about like about to tell my story because I I don't know sometimes to tell my story in a small uh, like uh, to get the message. And what's the thing I believe like, uh, like the water to be like a flowing and mm -hmm. in, the, in the river, we, when we are flowing and just like um, uh, we have a, like a stones, we have a rock, we have a flower, we have a beauty we have. And this is also like um, my life and keep um, renew it and uh, be fresh. And this is, uh, I share uh, this with the, uh, uh, two lady women mm. and also I share about like about me like I'm a peacemaker even like the situation it's very hard and my my connect to my heart and to be in my heart and be in compassion it's keep me to believe and to have the hope and lost not to lost the hope even the situation here in Palestine Israel it's really very hard it's mm -hmm. getting worse and worse, especially with the COVID. And, but I keep believe, mm. I keep have, have hope for peace because it's no way, like the peace is the way, mm. way for peace. Thank you, Ita. Thank you, Annie, for uh, sharing this, your story. I love the metaphor of the river, of the water. I love that, that's beautiful. And I know you, you you rise above much difficulty where you are and where what you're doing. I'm grateful yeah. for you. Well, Beautiful. I'm happy to be with you. It's a long time. Just I was ill also. It's many things. <laughs> well, you look very well and it's so I'm nice here. to see you. I am here. <laughs> so good to see you. 
Yeah, thank you. Me too. Would anyone else like to share? Anything? Anne-Marie, is anything else coming up for you? Um, oh, I could tell a bunch of um, Burt Backrack anecdotes, but um, <laughs> I, I should have mentioned to the ladies that um, nothing, nothing that I shared about Burt is um, personal or confidential or um, me talking out of school about him it's, it's kind of known that he's a, he's a quirky guy, <laughs> you know, he's, a, he's a, um, an interesting, an interesting person. But I think that, uh, like I said, any composer, any artist in whatever medium they practice, uh, uh, once you get to a certain level of genius, they don't operate necessarily um, the same way as, as, um, the rest of us who are not as talented do. Um, and, uh, I appreciated the, the pat on the back from the ladies about providing the, the scaffolding, the support and infrastructure to just, um, let him be his genius self and, and go out there and, and do the shows, not have to worry about, simple things like where's my hotel room key it's okay i have it right here bert here you know um at, to to create a moving experience for people you know well thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story we really appreciate it mm, thank you for having me it was fun well we're gonna set get ready to close the call now i'm putting some links in the chat um, the Peace Alliance um, website is peacealliance.org, and the Peace Alliance mission is to empower civic action for a culture of peace. We also have a link um, to the podcasts on, on the chat. You can go to the website and look for Peace On, um, and also a page about the Hope Story Circles. There's also a link to our Blueprint for Peace. This is a major initiative that we've had going, and we just relaunched it. If you can click on the link there and you can let all of your elected officials know that you are supporting policies related to the strategies of building peace and nonviolence and violence reduction in the United States. Also, there's a link about the Department of Peacebuilding Legislation, HR 1111. That's one of our keynote focuses. We also, we are a small nonprofit. There's a link to donate. You can go to the website and click on the donate button, but there's a direct link in the chat. We appreciate donations of any size and we especially appreciate monthly donations. Those are peace partners. And the calendar of events, there's lots of stuff going on. You can go to the calendar of events on the website. You can see when our next Hope Story Circle is as well as our national monthly calls and empathy circles and all kinds of things that we're doing. So you feel free to access the calendar. And now I'm gonna hand it back to Liz to wrap it up for us. Um, Terry, I'm really thankful that I have a couple of extra minutes more than I usually do because um, something... Uh-oh, she froze. Thing came up right after our call. Uh oh no.
You froze for just women. Am I back? You're back. So let's start okay. again. <laughs> something, something, okay. Something came up last night after we spoke and I've been holding it all. And then something Christine said today clarified something for me. When I was thinking last night about what my autobiography would be called, and there's the title that was handed to me by my son years ago, joking, because I was a regular classroom teacher for 17 years in two different schools. And then I left teaching to homeschool my sons. And what part of the talk we were having in the big room was that some, some of us are raising these very creative sons who are not so easy to raise when you have these very kind of kids who are like that. And so I've stayed in touch with a lot of my former students and Facebook has helped that. And I've stayed close. And a lot of times I'll come into the room and say, so a former student of mine just called and, and, and my son said, mom, that's gonna be your autobiography. So I was just talking to a former student. And so last night at just after midnight, New York time, uh, I got a, a Facebook message from a former student and she's someone that I taught 32 years ago. And, um, and she's on Facebook, but she never interacts. She doesn't post very often. And she just said, hi, Miss Gannon. That's how long ago I taught her I was Miss Gannon. Um, and, she's, and I just said, hi. And she said, I'm going through a really rough time right now. And I have been wanting to reach out to you. So I said, do you feel safe? She says, yes, it's nothing like that. And she, she just shared that four years ago after she had her second child, she has, since then she's been in severe postpartum depression. And then her grandmother who raised her just died. And she's really going through a rough time. And she said, I always knew how strong you were. And then she said a sentence that I've been holding since then. She said, and you were always there for every one of your students. And it's not something I really knew. And I came out and I said, Rob, I taught her 32 years ago. And then Christine, as I'm thinking of Thich Nhat Hanh, right? And what you just said about interbeing and we inter are. And I said, how is it that like the, that 32 year time period? Because there is no time, right? That idea that we inter are, that idea that if we are in relationship with one another, if we create this place of safety and connection, that's always there. And, um, and it was so powerful to me, right? I love Anne-Marie to weave both from your story and our conversation, that if you can create that infrastructure, scaffolding, I like your word, right? Scaffolding, where people feel safe, they'll always feel safe there. They'll always feel safe there. And they'll always know that there's this kind of way to be. And I always talked, I was talking with a friend of mine who um, this morning, and I said, you know, I always talk about how I felt my job, I was inspired by Martin Luther King to create the beloved community, right? We have to create beloved community. And then what I was thinking right before I got on the call, it was last thought right before I got on this call, I said, no, we need to be the beloved community, mm. right? We need to be the beloved community. And sometimes that means like holding the person's key so that they will always know they can get into their hotel room because they don't have to worry about where their key is. And it's tough when you talked about what you're going through, um, whatever we're going through, and certainly the levels of pain and crisis, like sometimes the bathtub is filling in 60 seconds and sometimes it's not. But, but to weave it all together, I was so touched by that coincidence of Thich Nhat Hanh's passing and so many of us, he meant so much to us. 
-hmm. and just that idea that we inter are. So time and space don't matter. I'm so excited to see Ita's face and I sent her a little private message, right? Time and space don't matter. We inter are. And, and I think it's because when we share at the level of our stories, we never forget our stories. I don't think one child I taught remembers anything about the middle ages or the Renaissance. They may or may not. I taught history, right? Um, they don't call me because I taught them history, right? When we, when we connect in love and connection, that's always there. So I, I want to thank all of you for being that place for me. Like I look so forward to this whole story circle every week. And, um, and Itaf, you knew we would be here, right? When you couldn't be for a while, when you were, when you were in the place you would come. So I just want us to move forward. Like from here, I, we always talk about what are we gonna do before the next call? Think about how we be that beloved community for one another and how you can see it in every one of our stories. So I wanna share love and gratitude, Amory, for your story. You know, uh, and I can name you all because you're all here. Uh, Annette and Nitaf and Christine and Bonnie and Jean for, for being here. And as always, my beautiful partners, Yelena and Terry. So as we move forward, let's interbe and remember that, that we inter are. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you, Liz. Everyone, feel free to unmute yourself and say goodbye. We'll see you next beautiful, time. Beautiful time together. Thank bye you so bye. much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for sharing everything. I love you, Annette. Nice meeting you, Itaf. Nice seeing you, Christine. Yeah, nice meeting you all. See you next time. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.